Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 30th program in this series. In the previous program, I was in John chapter 7, verse 2, where it says, Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. And I was explaining that this was the time when everyone was expected to be in Jerusalem, according to the law that God gave. Most of the time when people think about the festivals, they're usually thinking about it from a prophetic point of view, where they're wondering, where are the prophecies? Where are the foreshadowings that can be found within the festivals to include the Feast of Tabernacles? And there might very well be some very important and very interesting prophetic inferences and foreshadowings that can be found there. But to me, the most important part of these festivals has to do with the fact that everyone in the nation would be present. And it's my opinion that this time in history, when Jesus was conducting his ministry, was the main focus, the main purpose For these festivals, so that when God showed up, when He was finally there, everyone would be there, and everything that He would do and say would be public, everybody would be talking about it, and there would be no confusion with regards to what God was doing, who He was, what He came to accomplish, and how He accomplished it. So this is one of those times. It's one of those times when God manifested in the flesh as the Lord Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem. But this is a time when people are looking to kill him. They're looking to kill the Lord Jesus. And so if he is going to go there, he's going to have to be a little careful with regards to how he goes and how he engages the people there because it's not his time to die. This is not the time yet, and so he's going to be a little bit discreet about how he accomplishes this. In John chapter 7, verse 3, his brothers therefore said to him, and these are his brothers, his regular brothers that were born from Joseph and Mary, and they said to him, depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Now in verse 3 and 4, they're speaking to him as if they have some degree of confidence in him. But in verse 5, it's made quite clear that they did not believe in him at all. And so what they're effectively telling him is, Hey, Jesus, you seem to be doing some interesting things, and it appears that you want to be important. Why don't you go over to Judea where people want to kill you? Why don't you go over there and get yourself killed? Now, it could be 
that you could maybe relate to this a little bit. Maybe you do have some brothers or some sisters or some cousins, or maybe even your parents might relate to you this way or your children, where they might say something like this to you. Hey, you know, why don't you go over there and get yourself killed? You might have relationships like that. This is the kind of relationship that Jesus had with some of his brothers. This is how they related to him. So even God himself, you know, God manifested in the flesh, who lived as a person, who was perfect. This is how people related to him. And so if by chance you're wondering about some of the relationships that you personally have and how people relate to you, you know what you might think on occasion? Gosh, you know, if I could just be a little bit of a better person, if I could be a better person, if I could be a better Christian, if I didn't sin as much as I sin, maybe those who are close to me would believe in God. Maybe they would do that. But listen, you know, even Jesus himself was there, and not even those who he lived with believed in the truth, recognized him for who he was, or believed the things that he told them. And so when people have this belief that it has something to do with them, if you believe that it really has something to do with you, that because of you, others don't believe, or because of you, maybe people will believe, I think that this is a really good example here in John chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. It's a really good example of the fact that everyone is responsible for their own beliefs. Everyone is responsible for whatever they believe. And if they put that kind of pressure on you and to say, you know, if you were more like Jesus, if you were more like Jesus, then I would believe the gospel. Then I would believe in God. Then I would become a Christian. If you were more like Jesus, then I would do that. Well, here you have an example where here is Jesus and his brothers did not believe in him. So to me, when I hear these kinds of things, I think that people are just looking for some kind of an excuse. And in truth, they really have no interest in the truth whatsoever. So this was the kind of relationship that Jesus enjoyed with his brothers, where they said to him, why don't you go get yourself killed? Hey, you know, you want to be popular? Here's your chance. But, you know, Jesus was not there for the purpose of promoting himself. When they said to him in verse 4, For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. That was an assumption. They assumed that Jesus wanted to be known, that he wanted to be popular, that that was his interest. You know, sometimes people make this mistake with me as well. They assume that I have some interest in being popular, that I have some interest in people knowing me, that I just want a lot of people to know me, that I want to have a lot of people listening to me, that I want a lot of people to be following after me. And you know, I really don't have much of an interest in any of that at all. That is not why I am on radio. That is not why I produce these recordings. I don't do this because I want people to know me. I don't do this because I want to be popular or because I want a following of some kind. 
I really don't have much of an interest in those things at all. That's not why I do what I do. And so I could relate. I can relate to what Jesus would be hearing when somebody would be telling him this. When his brothers speak to him this way, I can just imagine Jesus thinking, I have no interest in that. I am not here so that people can know me as if I'm in some sort of popularity contest. That's not why he was there. Jesus was there to tell people, to tell others about the living God. He was there so that they might know who he is. Now, of course, Jesus was God manifested in the flesh, and so to some extent, to know Jesus, you will know your God to a certain extent. There is there is some truth to be found there. But there was a big difference between Jesus being there in order to reveal himself and him being there to reveal his God. And he was there for the purpose of revealing his God and to do so in a way that he presented himself as a man, not as God, manifested in the flesh, mainly. He did confess that he was God on occasion, but even at the end of his ministry, his disciples, those who were closest to him, struggled with that issue. They weren't so sure. And Jesus was obviously very comfortable with that. He didn't have an issue with that. He went through his entire ministry. He had his relationships with his disciples. And they still didn't really know who he was even at the end. So it was never about him as Jesus. It was about wanting others to know the true and living God. He wanted people to know the truth because it is the truth. If they will abide in his word, they will know the truth and the truth will make them free. He wanted people to be free from the bondage that they were in and he wanted people to be saved. He wanted people to be resurrected. He wanted others to become children of God and to have a personal individual relationship with their God. He was only going to be there as Jesus for a short period of time. And then he was going to be gone. He was going to die. He would rise from the dead and he would continue to do his work, but he would not be there in the present form. Everything would be different. So he was there mainly to tell the truth. And that is what I do as well, as I mentioned how I can relate to this. I am not in the business of promoting myself. That is not who I am. That is not what I do. My purpose is to tell people the truth of their God. My purpose is to tell people about the gospel that they might surrender to the new covenant and be saved. My purpose is is to tell people about the truth of the new covenant and to live in the inheritance that they have in Christ Jesus instead of living by the law that was given through Moses, that there is a new covenant that is in effect, and I want them to know their God. I don't need them to know me. I want them to know the Lord. And so when people relate to me on the basis of, well, here's an opportunity to promote you, it really is a waste of time. In the same way, for people to speak to Jesus in this way really is a waste of time. 
they said in verse 4, for no one does anything in secret. You know, there were a lot of things that Jesus did that could be described as being done in secret. At the beginning of his ministry, he did a lot of things openly. He was very direct about who he was. He was asserting his messianic claim. And he was performing miracles. He was doing signs and wonders. And he was conducting his ministry in a way that he was doing things in order to show that he truly is the Messiah, to assert his messianic identity. But when the people rejected him, when the religious leaders of the people rejected him as the Messiah, he didn't do miracles for that purpose anymore. He only did miracles. He only presented signs for people in order to meet their personal needs. At a certain point, and this was when the people claimed that he was doing his miracles with the power of demons, and he confronted them and he said, only one more miracle, one more sign will be given to you, and that will be the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah was in the whale for three days and three nights, so also I will be in the grave for three days and three nights. When he proclaimed that, that was when his ministry changed. And he only performed miracles and signs in order to meet the personal needs of individuals, never in order to assert his messianic claim, not for the purpose of being known openly. And so the second part of his ministry was filled with lots of things that he did for people, but they were done effectively in secret. In effect, they were done in that way. So his brothers say, well, you know, nobody does that, but this is exactly what Jesus did for a major part of his ministry. He did a lot in secret, and he was okay with that. He was very comfortable with that. No problem with that at all, to meet the personal needs of others and of individuals, and not for the purpose of asserting his messianic claim, This is something that Jesus did. And so it should be quite clear that he was not conducting his ministry for his own personal self-promotion. It didn't matter whether people believed in him or not from that point of view. It just didn't matter. It did not matter if people accepted him as the Messiah or not. He was there to accomplish a task. He was there in order to provide for the salvation of humanity. That was why he was there. If people believed in him, that was good. And that was a bonus. But that is not why he was there. He was there in order to die for the sins of the world. And he was there in order to raise from the dead so that he could send the Holy Spirit back to all who would submit to the new covenant, who would surrender to the new covenant so that they can be resurrected from the dead and be saved. That was who he was, and that was what he was about. So Jesus said to them in verse 6, Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. Now there is a lot that is communicated there. The first thing he says in response to what they say to him is that 
Sure, they're saying, hey, why don't you go get yourself killed? And he says, you know what? I'm going to do that. But not now. My time has not yet come to go get myself killed. That simply is not going to happen right now. We'll do that later. But my time has not yet come. Now, subtly, he's also sharing with them that his time to go to the festival is not yet. He will go there soon, but he's just not going to go there right now. He does not tell them that he's going to go. He goes, but he doesn't tell them. He does effectively do something in secret. They say, no one does something in secret when they want to be known openly. Well, that's what he's going to do. He's going to do something in secret because he's not there for the purpose of being known openly. That's not his direct intent. That is not his real purpose. It's a side effect, but it's not really why he's there. So it's perfectly fine for him to go and do something secretly. And that's what he does. So he says, my time to die. This is the subtlety of what he says in verse 6. My time to get killed is not not present. It's not now. My time has not yet come. But your time is always ready. And what does he mean by that? Well, he means, first of all, your time is always ready in the sense that you can go to the festival anytime you like, anytime you want. Go ahead and go. He's also stating indirectly that your time is always ready to believe the truth. That is being conveyed there as they are mocking him concerning the fact that he tells the truth and they don't believe him. They do not believe in him. That's verse 5. Even his brothers did not believe in him, but their time is always ready to believe in him. There's also another issue with regards to getting killed, with regards to death, and that is that their time to surrender their lives is always ready. That time is always present. God is always ready to receive a person's surrender of themselves. And that is part of the gospel. Part of the gospel has to do with us surrendering ourselves, giving up the life that we have effectively killing ourselves in that abstract sense. Not killing ourselves physically, such as suicide, but killing ourselves in the sense of recognizing that who we are is not who we want to be. And to become born again, to become a child of God, means that you are going to become a new person. Which means that you're going to turn away from the person that you are, the person who you once were. That is an expression of death, that you are willing to let who you are, who you are now, you're willing to let that person die. You want that person to die, to become someone new, to become someone different. That is a part of the gospel. That is a part of surrendering to the gospel, believing the gospel, and becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that is something that is subtly conveyed here 
in John chapter 7, verse 6, when Jesus says, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. Everyone's time is always ready. Up until your final breath, when you are no longer allowed to be a part of this world, when your day comes, up until that day, when you physically die, between now and then, your time is always ready. And the sooner the better. The sooner the better for you. Why wait? Don't wait. Embrace the truth of the gospel and walk in the newness of life. Your time between now and when you physically die, this time period, is a limited opportunity to grow in your relationship with your God in ways that are only possible while you are here. Your time is always ready. It is precious. Make use of it as much as you possibly can. In verse 7, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that its works are evil. Now, in this way, Jesus makes a very strong division, a strong division between himself and others by stating that many people, you know, the world, in effect, the majority of people, are going to hate you or they are going to love you. If you tell them a lie, if you are dishonest with them in a way that they approve of, you know, if you tell them things that they want to hear, that they like to hear, If you contribute to their deception, if you contribute to their fraud, if you contribute to their lies, if you contribute to their life of just being in a pretend world, in their pretend existence, pretending to be somebody that they definitely are not, if that's the kind of relationship that you're willing to have with other people, they're going to love you. And you know, most people are like that. That's just the way It has always been, and it's the way things are, and it is the way that for the most part, for most people, that is the way it will always be. But in the midst of that, there are some people, there are some people who do want to live in the truth. And part of that has to do with acknowledging who you really are, what you are really about. And to say that a person struggles with sin and with evil is very important. Everyone needs to be true and honest with themselves and acknowledge the struggles that they have. Acknowledge the sin that they deal with. To live in a form of sober-minded reality. If somebody comes to me and they say, Aaron, you've got some sin going on. And they're right. I will say, you are right. I will not deny reality. That is true. And I would certainly like it to be different. And I hope that it will be different. And I am moving in that direction. And should the Lord participate, I will be thankful. But in the meantime, I am going to work with those things that are good. There is some good in me in that sense. And I will not let all of this evil Keep me from being a part of this world in the good ways that I can be a part of this world. And I will do that. 
But when it comes to somebody who is insecure in their relationship with their God, or when it comes to someone who wants to live in denial of the reality of God, then they have to live in denial of reality. And if someone exposes the truth concerning their evil, well, then this person is a problem, not their evil, but this person, and they will hate you. They will hate this person. They have to. It's the only way that they can deal with the reality that is exposed in their life, in their person. And so Jesus makes a division between himself and his brothers by saying this, by saying that the world is not going to hate you because you contribute to their lies, because you are a part of their lies, because you are a part of their deception, and they're going to love you. But you know what? There are people who hate me, and they want to kill me, and it's because I tell the truth, and through telling the truth, by default, it will expose their evil. And that is the way things are, and I will accept that. That I will accept. And I will accept that this is the way you are also. That's what he tells his brothers in John chapter 7, verse 7. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 30th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I spoke about John chapter 7, verses 3 through 7, the conversation that Jesus was having with his brothers. In this conversation, Jesus was able to express to them that his purpose was to accomplish specific goals, and that those goals had nothing to do with what his brothers thought of him that Jesus was not there for his own personal self-interests, as they would expect, that he was there for the purpose of conveying the truth. He wanted people to know the truth. He wanted people to be set free by the truth. He wanted people to live in reality and to know their God. Jesus was there in order to perform a set of works and then to provide for salvation. He had a purpose, and he was going to fulfill it regardless of what people thought of him. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you.